0: Sports talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Watched oh, my Strange away from us. Now sets up wing left. It's in the end zone. Touchdown! Pat Fryer move from Sean Clifford. Great call, Jack in. <laughs> Scott's to the left. He'll get one more handoff. Bounces to his right and smothered at the 11-yard line. He fumbled the ball. Penn State says they have it and they do. The Nittany Lions recover, but the clock ran out. Takes the snap. Wants to throw. Wait. Pressure. Hit. Throws it downfield, and Wade picks it off. Lamont Wade intercepts it for Penn State and the Nittany Lions take over at their own 43-yard line. Lamont Wade gets it's done for the Nittany Lions with exactly the play they needed his first career interception down to 10 seconds ago in the third Back to pass, blitz, steps up, opening. 30, 25, 20, first down inside the 20, 15, far corner he goes, five, pushed it to the end zone, touchdown Penn State. Sean Clifford on a spectacular run. And the Nittany Lions have climbed it within one score. What a play by the quarterback. Back goes Clifford, this time with time. Steps up, delivers it long and deep, dots downfield, open at the 20, 15, 10 to the 5, touchdown Penn State. A 60 yard strike from Clifford to Dodson. The Nittany Lions an extra point away from the lead, and the offensive line was brilliant there, Jack. Penn State four man front again. Penix back to pass. Has some time. Throws it downfield for Fry Fogle. Knocked away and incomplete. And the Nittany Lion defense gets the four and out. What coverage downfield by Penn State. They give it to Devin Ford. He shoots through the hole to the 10, to the 5. Way to the goal line. Touchdown, Penn State. And the Nittany Lions now an extra point for making it an 8-point game. Just far side. Dots and near side. Back goes Clifford with time. Rolls right. Being chased. Looking. Looking in the end zone. Fires in the end zone. Sliding. And caught for the touchdown. Pennix takes it. Back, steps up, opening, rolls near side, goes to the corner, dies to the corner. He didn't get there. No, they say he did. They say he hit the pylon, and Indiana wins. Indiana wins it 36-35. to 35.
1: Yes, indeed. It was not yeah. how you draw Crazy. it on, Steve.
0: No, but here, uh, let's start. I'll start with the basic premise first, and then I'll get into other elements of the game quickly afterward, okay? So here's the basic premise Do I think he made it? No. Did I think he made it live? No. I, even live, I didn't think he made it. You heard how I called it. He didn't make it. I could tell. Then I look at the replay, and I'm like, okay. It, it confirmed what I thought. I thought he was short. All right. But why are you in that position? That is, that's why you talk about the entirety of the game. So let, let me get the three basic premises, then I'll get to a couple of other elements. Number one absolutely atypical of a James Franklin coach team is turning the ball over. Atypical. They turned it over three times which equaled ten points. in a one point overtime loss that puts you in a position to lose. I mean, last year, Penn State a year ago the whole season gave up 30 points off of turnovers because they were a plus-8 giveaway takeaway. Saturday, they were minus-1, and they were 10 points. And they were minus-3 on points because they, they had a touchdown off of one of their takeaways. Indiana had 10. Well, when you lose the game by... Hold your fingers together that close. That puts you in a position to lose. Number two, 10 penalties for 100 yards. Again, absolutely atypical of a James Franklin coach football team. Usually Penn State's anywhere from three to five penalties in a game. Ten? Now, admittedly, the the face mask call on Adisa Isaac is an absolute phantom call. That's That's an official anticipating. You can't anticipate... Can't do it. Uh, The Jesse Lucetta targeting call, I mean, that's one of those at the coaches' convention. You go, okay, now this is like here's the – here's what targeting looks like. Ding, 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 ding. Now, was it intentional? No. Did he launch himself? No. But he still hit him helmet to helmet, so that one you absolutely have to throw the flag and you have to exit. It's simple as that. Official made absolutely the right call. Replay confirmed the right call. But that's 10 penalties, 100 yards. And then two missed field goals. Two missed field goals. Including a chip shot from 25 out. The end of the half. Yeah, One of the two you want. Okay, here's the key right here. If you win... Or change any one of those three categories. Not all three, any one of them. If Penn State is even in turnovers, they win the game. If Penn State commits, I don't know, even five or six penalties, they win the game. If Penn State hits one of the two field goals, they win the game. So in other words, if they if they correct even one of the three in the game, they win. The fact that they didn't get it done in any of the three that opens the door to not winning the game. Simple as that. Now, I want to say this about Michael Penix. The I want to be really fair here because it's one thing that. Usually, to be frank with you, fans are really bad about at least the ones that are very vocal. They get so locked in on their team that they they fail to give the other guy credit. I'll never forget Joe Paterno. Many this is decades ago. This is back in the '80s, right? And Joe's talking to me, and this is when I was the third announcer, you know. So I still, and you know, I, you know, I was the one that did the pregame show with him. I did the postgame show with him, the whole thing. I we remember sitting down to do the pregame. And he was just, just chit-chatting and nothing to do with anything I was doing. And he says, Steve, He says, I want you to remember something. He says, always remember, he says, sometimes when it doesn't look great for us, referring to Penn State, sometimes the other guy's capable of doing some stuff too. The effort that Penix makes on the two-point conversion, regardless of whether you think he made it or not, That is a tremendous individual effort, just to get it even in the neighborhood. What an effort he made. The throws he makes on the drive to tie the game in regulation were tight, tight windows, with the exception of the throw to Marshall on the sideline. Tight, tight windows. Even the play to the half-yard line to Hendershot, the coverage is great there. The coverage is great. And the two-point the two point conversion that he ran to tie the game up, the play looked like it was going in slow motion, yet he broke all the tackles and got in. Great effort. I thought Micah McFadden, by the way, a d- defense for Indiana, played a tremendous game. He really was good. So was uh, Jamar Johnson, who had a pick in the game. He was very good, too. Well the concentrations on Penn State. You you rack up four hundred and eighty-eight yards in total offense. You come from ten points down on the road to take the lead. I mean, remember, I mean Penn State goes through a stretch where they outscored Indiana with twenty one to three. Now, as for the Ford play, which has been so talked about, let me discuss for a second actually the common sense of of the play, the common sense of the play. You cannot take three knees, uh, and they make a decision on it. You can't take four knees and end the game because they have a timeout. So you can't do it. You would still end up with 20 20 to 25 seconds remaining. I think about 22 seconds you'd have remaining. Somewhere in that neighborhood there. Which doesn't give them much time, especially when you have an eight-point lead. So I understand the logic completely. Completely understand the logic of what anybody's trying to say about that. I understand that. But in a crazy game like Saturday, you feel like almost anything could happen. So I but I do understand the argument. Now let's talk about the common why I think there's some common sense to having Devin Ford run the ball. By getting a first down and then giving yourself up at the two-yard line, you do ensure that you can take knees and end the game, because they they're still going to have to use the timeout. But now instead of it being second down after the timeout, it would have been first down. And so now you have those three downs to run the clock out and end the game. You've, you know now you have everything at your disposal. They can't stop the clock or anything like that. The problem is the game. The run happened from the 14-yard line. You're like, well, why is that a problem? Because here's a running back steamrolling, there's the end zone in front of him, and he didn't have a lot of time. You saw he tried to stop himself. You saw he tried to stop himself, and he couldn't stop himself. Not the first time that's ever happened. Todd Gurley yesterday for the Falcons against the Lions tried to stop himself from scoring. Couldn't. Ahmad Bradshaw, Super Bowl. Patriots, Giants, Lucas Oil Stadium. Bradshaw tried to stop himself from scoring and stumbled and just went into the end zone. It's hard to stop. I'm saying five yards further back at the 19-yard line. You can get to the five-yard line. You've got plenty of time to stop because with the coach's box extended out to the 15, everybody's there. And it gives them more, more latitude to stop. And he got all excited, you know, because you want to get the the first down of the play, which means you have to get to the four-yard line. So if you stop at the three or the two and give yourself up, great, we're done. right. It's just hard to stop. So there is logic and common sense to getting the first down, especially if they're giving it to you, because then at that point you can run the clock out with knees. There's no mathematical way they can stop you from running the clock out once they use their timeout because they would have had to have used their timeout after the first down. So, believe it or not, there's common sense to getting a first down there. Touchdown still means you have—they have two scores they have to get. It still means they have to get two scores, and they, to Indiana's credit, they did. There are three times during a game I feel you can win it. I don't care if it's football, basketball, even baseball. The focus and the concentration is almost always on the end. I understand that. That's the freshest part in front of you. I even said on the two-point conversion, it's winner it or loser right here. That's how I preface the final play. But there are three times you can win, and one of them. excuse me, is in the first half. Penn State takes the opening drive, well-executed, well-conceived, 13 plays, 64 yards, and Sean throws the touchdown pass to Pat Fryermove. Great. Defense gets a three and out. Now, if you can put together another drive and make it 14-0. Now they're looking around going, uh-oh, because then Penn State again had another three and out. You put together another drive, you get a field goal or a touchdown, now you're up three scores early in the game, and they're like, "What?" No. you can put the team away at that point. And they couldn't put them away. It's still 7 nothing. couldn't generate anything, and then the turnover happens. You should have seen that Indiana sideline when they got that turnover. It was like, oh, like suddenly it was just new life. Then they got the second takeaway. Now they're leading. And that's where, you know, they kept them in the game in the first half, and then lost the lead, now Indiana goes, and then you hit hit the upright with the field goal, you have no momentum going into halftime. None. They're jumping around like it's Christmas. And that's where you lost the opportunity. You had the opportunity in the first half, I think, to really sit there and... And give them that pinata feeling. And you lost it. And turnovers were the big reason why. Had a chance to score, fumbled the ball. It's a, it's just everything is now the second half they didn't turn the ball over. You know, the second half they didn't turn the ball over, they scored twenty one points in the second half. Penalties, turnovers, miss field goals. You win one of the three categories, or you are more efficient in one of the three categories, and you win the game. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Whether you're cheering for LA or Tampa Bay in the World Series, you'll hit a home run with a new Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia. treated like a champion at SMC. Hurry in now and check out the 2020 Kia Fortes. Sunbury Motors Kia has them starting at $17,998. Under twenty grand for a brand new car. Sunbury Motors also has 24 2020 Kia Seltos available. You have to check out this hard-to-find, small-sized, all-wheel drive crossover. All prices are clearly marked with rebates and discounts. See the sticker and know the savings. Remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Tampa Bay Rays, LA Dodge no matter who wins the national title, you'll be the big winner with a new Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia on the strip in Hummel's Wharf. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see dealer or go to Kia.com. Well, we now know on this particular day that Chickalimbi can beat Milton. That is correct. Much bigger thumping than the first time around. That's two of their wins, right? They're only two wins, yep. Ah, Boy, if they could just schedule Milton every week. <laughs> the suit could go home happy. That's what it's all about in the end. Do we have any highlights from that game? Uh, I'll have to find and dig, dig some. No, that's okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance Auto, home, life business—they'll save you money wherever they can. They're the best in the in the business. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors Studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummelsworth, and online at sunburymotors.com. Mark Wovenrich, next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. They'll find you the right insurance, the best price. They'll find ways to save you money. Maybe that means bundles. But they'll do whatever they can to save you money. They are the pros, pros in insurance. It is Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, k Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Very pleased from SI.com to bring in Mark Wogenrich. Mark, welcome back. Great to have you with us. As always, Steve, appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. All right, and the verdict, uh there's a lot to get you to the last play. Yeah. We'll get to that in a moment. In or out.
1: Oh boy. Um I'm gonna say out. I'm gonna say out by a hair's breadth. I, I heard I think I heard Bob Flounders actually, A Pen Live made an interesting point. Um he might have you know, Michael Pedex might have even been shorter. Um of the marker had he Or of the pylon Had he not switched the ball To his right hand right. From his left That's right that's I'm right. going to say Out But also Inconclusive On replay uh, I, I just I, I don't know I don't see it I mean I In real time That's a very difficult, to, difficult Extremely difficult Play to call And then on in Replay I just didn't I didn't see anything That was conclusive That would have turned it. And you know Flipping it you know, Had it been called a touch, Or um out of bounds on the field. I don't think it could have been overturned either.
0: I thought live out. I thought replay out. But if it had been ruled out, they would have said stands is called, not confirmed. Mm-hmm. Just like they said stands is called, not confirmed on this. I think yeah. that's that was going to be the fallback no matter what.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree.
0: All right. So, now how do you get to this point? <laughs> uh... I had said earlier in the show that ten penalties for a hundred yards is atypical mm-hmm. of a James Franklin coach team. Three turnovers is atypical. Two missed field that's goals. That's never
1: had. The combination has never happened under James Franklin. That the, the yeah. ten and three has never happened.
0: Yeah, never happened. Mm-hmm. So that's that is the definition of atypical. Plus the yeah. two missed field goals. Right. Uh, and you win one of the three. I think they win the game. I mean, that's a lot of mistakes, though, to make up for. I did a stat. There's a,
1: a, a database, uh, SportsReference.com, that you know keeps members of college football games going. I think going back 20 years. Um, I just did this today. Looked up, um, uh, you know, Penn State games in which they totaled 450 yards of offense or more, and they allowed. Two hundred and fifty yards of offense or fewer. Or
0: yeah.
1: yeah, they're twenty-seven and one in those games, dating back to two thousand. Uh, with Indiana obviously being the one, so that's just such a rare, 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 rare occurrence that you need forces to align against you, essentially, and, you're, and you need the, you know, the mistakes to align against you as well. And I think ten-three, ten-three and two are the big ones right there. I don't, I don't know, but the, you know. That and then just a mental error on a player's part, late in the game. Um, yep. All of that, you swirl all of that together, and yeah, you can lose a game against a team that didn't play much better than you for three quarters. Three quarters right. and, you know, nearly the fourth. And then um, on the final series, Michael Penix, you know, he turns into JT Barrett. What are you supposed to do in that situation? He was phenomenal. His receivers were phenomenal. Um he won. Went, he went eight for nine. I think completed seven in a row. Everything just that the whole the whole sequence um, leading to, to to that finish had said everything. Penn State, and then you know these tumbling blocks just kind of kind of fell um, on top of one another.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. I want to give Penix credit for a couple things. Number one, whether you think he made it or not. That effort is second to none. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the ball that he threw over and over on Mm -hmm. the final drive into such tight windows, except for the one to the sideline on Marshall, he threw the ball into (laughs) tight coverage and still made plays. I give him a lot of credit for that.
1: With a pass rush in his face. I mean, those last two series that he played, I, I mean, he got run into the stands. Essentially, on third down in yeah. the series before, I you know even when even after you know kind of the, the misguided touchdown, um, the accidental touchdown, I think I ended up calling it at some point. Even after that, I, I, I there was nothing that would have led me to believe that Michael Penix, at, you know, after the previous series, was going to come back and have the headspace to put together a drive after he had just gotten run off the field. He was hit twice, run like I said, run into the. In the defense. I was surprised because I think I was typing, <clears throat> excuse me, and I looked up and I, I said, "Why are they at the fifty-yard line? How did you know? How did that happen?" Obviously, right. there, there was a penalty and stuff like that. But he just kept. I, I mean, I don't know if that I don't know, I don't know if the touchdown that Penn State scored, you know, energized him that he said, "Okay, I have one more chance," and he was phenomenal. His receivers were absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, no, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the Ford play. Todd Gurley yesterday tried to stop. Yeah. He couldn't stop. Ahmad Bradshaw in the Super Bowl against the Patriots for the Giants mm-hmm. couldn't stop. They both they both tried to stop. Well, so did Devin Ford. He tried yeah. to stop. And he couldn't stop. I I've I've said to people if they actually were at the nineteen and not the fourteen, he could have gotten to the five yard line and he had plenty of room mm-hmm. to stop. And all of a sudden, you yeah. realize, like I, you know, you could just see he was mm-hmm. trying to stop, and he, he couldn't do it. It's, but they still needed two scores in the end zone to um, to get to overtime. And they did it. Yeah.
1: The two the two questions I would have about that I don't question running on first down because you run the game out if you run on first down. I'm taking knees. Yeah, I, I right. you know. I, I don't know about that. I'm in that situation. Maybe I would have just let the ball. I would have. I would have had Sean Clifford run. Um, clearly, it seemed like Indiana wasn't going to play defense on that play, so they were going to let him run. Maybe Sean Clifford is just a bit more poised in that situation. Devin Ford is coming in; he's yeah. coming into a game probably that he didn't. I don't know that he would have expected to play a ton in that game necessarily. I don't you know. Don't know the game plan going in if they were going to have a rotation or anything like that, but. My presumption going in is they were going to lead on, on Noah Cain pretty hard, and then he was going to you know, spell and then maybe play somebody. I don't think he had that anticipation. And then to be in that situation, maybe, one, you just give that ball to Sean Clifford. Two, yeah, okay, after he scores, do you go for two? I mean, do you get aggressive and say, really try to put that game out of reach? Um, right. by, by going for two, do you have a two-point play? Or are you just not – or is your offense – at that point, um, feeling almost like taken aback that they go, "Hey, well what just happened?" and they're confused and you don't feel like you're in a position to, to try to go for two that's and I didn't even think about that necessarily at that moment because I was just going, oh oh yeah, <laughs> what just happened here?" And maybe right. Penn State Sil was doing that too. but those those are the two things that I would question about. I don't think running was a bad decision
0: yeah because I mean if if it's late in the game, mm-hmm. you would expect Noah Kane to be the closer. right mm-hmm. and, and of course, he wasn't available after the first series. So now you have to overcome that. Fortunately, you're able to do it you know at home. Against oh wait Ohio State uh, so <laughs> yeah
1: and I don't know I I had this conversation with somebody else I wonder if that's not the best possible position that you can be in because you don't you're not allowed to wallow in this you know oh no you could, you uh, the get right home, to work. you could do it but once you know Sunday you're not allowed to this is not a game that you can come in and be. Hangovery about you know this is this is not any, you know this is the opponent that you can't be that way about so you've got to you know whatever term you want to use flush it away wash it away whatever you've got to do this is the best I think this is the best possible way to do it, um, it and the thing is you could play as clean and as perfect as beautiful game this coming Saturday night against Ohio State yeah. and potentially still lose. Because I right. think oh, guys, sure. it's just that good, but you. But knowing that going in, you can't give yourself any room um, to to just to, to wallow it to, to wallow in that loss anymore. So I, I think, in a way, not the worst position to be in.
0: The other part uh, I want to get to is the first half of the game. In the first half of the game, Mark, I, I've always felt, in my experience, with the 5.2 billion games I've done now. <laughs> that they're usually whether it's football or basketball, I usually feel like there are usually three times you can win and one of them is in the first half. They get that great opening drive, mm-hmm. well conceived, well executed, seven nothing, get a three and out. Then they got another three and out after that. I I felt if I felt if you get a touchdown, a field goal. A combination of that, and now suddenly you're up seventeen or twenty-one, nothing. You could have put the game away right there.
1: And instead, you had two interceptions on the next right. series, um, and two balls that Sean Clifford just, he made. No, he made no excuses about them; it's just, they were terrible passes. Right. You know, yep. over through one, and I think maybe he got caught and caught caught between. Throws or ideas on the screen that maybe he didn't think it yeah. was at the moment just a good play and it just it got away from him. But yeah, three you know you thought you know you turnovers basically three of the next four possessions. Um, and and that that's just just an incredibly difficult situation to put yourself into. Yeah.
0: By the by the way, Mark, what did you think of Kevon Lee?
1: That's the first time I had seen him at all. I was surprised at the size. I didn't realize he had gotten that big. Yeah. I do not know if he had come in that big, but um, I thought he was pretty agile for being 230. Um, right. Move forward. Just, he looked polished. He looked he looked unintimidated too and and I th- I thought that that was a real I know, that was a real pleasant surprise to me especially if you're going to have to go now um, with Ford him and Keziah Holmes if Noah Kane's out for a while that I that's a, that's a that was definitely promising
0: uh defensively Luketta cannot play the first half of the game on Saturday night i had said to Jack after the game I said, as the targeting calls the absolutely the right call I mean that's one of those in the mm-hmm. officiating instructional convention they show that play <laughs> say okay here's yeah, here's targeting right. Yeah. right it's not intentional but this is targeting mm-hmm. but I mean but I also felt that on that last series I kind of felt there was a stabilizing force on that defense that was missing and I kind of felt that was him
1: that's probably a pretty good point because I got the sense over the course of maybe the last month or so after Micah Parsons opts out that Jesse had, had taken it upon himself to be that transitional figure. He's going back to Micah's position. Um, I think he felt like he was stronger and um, probably a bigger voice on that team. Had some experience. It's not like he was an, an, an experienced player. Played a lot last year. And that right. probably was part of it in there. Um, I mean, I didn't realize looking at... Until looking at the stat sheet, that Brandon Smith didn't have a tackle right. in that game for whatever you know, whatever that's worth, whatever that means necessarily. But he probably need, yeah, he'll need to get off some, you know, get off some uh, some blocks and 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 get into some more piles. Even if he's just like I said, helping to finish off a tackle, you are going to need definitely going to need something like that uh, from him in the first half. But secondary, the corners are really good. I mean, those guys. Jester Fields and you know and Joey Porter Jr. for the most part had great coverage in that last series. I just, they, they did. You know, it's, it's just these guys just you know failure and so on just kept coming down with the ball.
0: Uh, Justin Fields was twenty of twenty one Saturday. Now right. I was able to, I was able to glance at some of it yeah. while we were waiting to go on. Did you get a better look at him? What did you think of Ohio State? One thing that we yeah. noticed in the first, first half is Ohio State couldn't run the ball, and then the second half they did.
1: That was surprising to me. Um, yeah, Fields, he's so impressive both ways. Yes. That, the, the respect you have to have that he can run, obviously, I think he ended up leading him and rushing, too, which you know Sean Clifford did. But that's an even bigger element there. Uh, my – my presumption is that he's going to come out. I don't know that he's going to necessarily – he's not going to be able to throw as well. I'd be surprised if he did, I, or at least out of the numbers. I mean, he probably – he could definitely throw the ball as well as he did against Nebraska. But I think they're probably – those guys are going to be a little bit better defended. That would leave open, I think, him with the running game. And I think Ohio State might be able to run the ball um, a little better, although Penn State's defensive line really didn't allow Indiana to do much there at all either. That is going to be for me. Can, can that secondary in the switch of those corners? Um, can they do it again? Can they do it again against you know upgraded competition? Um, but still, you know, they played well against a. You know, I thought they played well against a good offense in, in Indiana. Anyway.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Mark, it is always a pleasure. It's always just fun conversation for me whenever you're on the show. Absolutely, I appreciate me too. It You very Thanks much, so much, Steve. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Mark dot SI.com. Frank Bodani, next half hour. Matt Leon, final half hour. And the suit, no half hour. Back with more in a moment. What? This is part of the pro. I wasn't supposed to read that part? I guess I forgot to take that out. Wow. When I think about it, I feel like I feel awful now. Not really. On News Radio 1070 WK okay.
1: Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. As we continue in the green phase per the governor's order, most of our staff continues to work from home to practice social distancing for the safety of our staff and clients. During this time, we are operating under the guidance of the insurance department. Our office remains available to service our current and new clients by phone by calling 570-286-5855, email, and by appointment. Our after-hours emergency service is also ready to assist our clients with their needs. From the team at Purdy Insurance, stay safe, be well, be kind, and know that we remain dedicated dedicated to the highest levels of service to protect what matters most.
0: All right, great to have you with us on the show today. By the way, Jesse Arnell passed away. Penn State's third all-time leading scorer in basketball, all-time leading rebounder led Penn State along with Bobby Hoffman and Jack Sherry and company to the 1954 Final Four in Kansas City. Went on to become an attorney, extremely successful, mostly working out of San Francisco during the course of his career, a member of the Board of Trustees. I met and talked with Jesse Arnell probably a handful of times in my lifetime. Powerful deep voice yet soft-spoken man. Um, he was one of those guys that was the definition of E.F. Hutton. When he talked, you listened. And uh, he was invaluable. He's a football letterman. We talked about his basketball accolades, attorney, and also... On the board of trustees, Jesse Arnell did this university proud, and uh, Jesse Arnell passed away. As one of the, there's so many alums, so many alumni that Penn State has had over the years that have advanced the cause and the reputation of this university. Jesse Arnell is absolutely and was absolutely one of them. Um. Just want to make sure we we touched on that before we move forward. Um, next, uh, minor league baseball. I listened to Rob Manfred on Sirius XM's MLB Network two hundred nine uh, yesterday. I was going to my grandson's uh, flag football game, and I was listening to that. They asked him what the priorities were. Well, the, uh, for them in the off season, he says, "Well, number one, he says, what do we do with the with the winter meetings? He says, do we actually meet someplace? Where do we meet, or we do it by Zoom? But we have to decide that first. All right, that makes sense. The next thing up, he said, was minor league baseball. How are we going to handle the minor leagues going forward? So once they decide where they want to meet and how they want to do it, then obviously the next thing they want to do is they want to straighten out the minor league situation. We mentioned the Appalachian League, uh, 10 teams being converted to a 54-season wooden back collegiate league, mostly freshmen and sophomores. Uh, That was easy to do because those teams are owned by major league clubs. They all have to rebrand, though, because if you notice, they all have the nickname – of the major league franchise Bluefield, Blue Jays the Johnson City Cardinals so forth they'll rebrand there's one team I think in Kaiser, Oregon and another in uh, Boise, Idaho that have essentially in so many words announced plans loosely as to what they're going to do indicating they were not going to be a part of the solution so that's 12 down and 30 to go Of course, Williamsport Crosscutters owner, and he owns, and the Crosscutters are one of five teams he owns. Peter Friend is critical in all of this. He is trusted by all sides and respected by all sides. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Marcus Reed and Sombra, go to PurdyInsurance.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.